Avalanche coming, my weekly market review, 17th of July, 2022. Get ready for an avalanche of recession warnings across all media platforms. That's the conclusion from last week's Consumer Price Index CPI report. As inflation hit yet another 40-year high, which almost guarantees that the Fed announces on July 27th that it will raise interest rates by at least another 0.75%, putting even more pressure on the economy. Indeed, after the Bank of Canada last week hiked rates by 1%, by Wednesday evening, U.S. bond futures markets were pointing to a 78% probability of a full 1% raise by the Fed at the next meeting. Peak hawkishness, peak inflation is pretty much the first key to a potential stock and bond market bottom. And a visibly declining CPI is the proof the Fed needs to believe that we've got past peak inflation and that they can ease up somewhat. And now we're going to have to wait at the very least another month before getting there. Although every move higher does increase the hope among the optimists that the next time will finally be the data release that shows a peak has been reached. The optimist's case around the hot CPI report is, one, admittedly inflation hasn't peaked yet, but they are hopeful it'll peak very soon, next month hopefully, as recent falling commodity prices start to make themselves felt in the data. Two, the Fed won't hike to a final level any higher than currently expected. It may hike faster, but the end result will be the same, and it will stop at around 3.5% by year end. Three, that the slowing economy will stop the Fed from going too crazy with rate hikes later in 2022 or 2023, and in a year or so, we'll actually be talking about rate cuts. However, in my view, here's the bottom line. There was nothing in Wednesday's report that even hinted at the fact that inflation has yet peaked, and the peak inflation narrative was proved wrong again for the third month in a row. It may well show a lower headline rate in a month's time, but even a peaked inflation rate will still be very, very high. Interest rates are still going higher and will definitely continue to do so. The idea that the Fed will automatically stop raising rates simply because it hits 3.5% by the year end seems illogical to me. The Fed has said that it will fight inflation to the death, not just knock it down by a percentage point or two, using interest rates hikes as its weapon, and is prepared to plunge the economy into recession if need be to accomplish this. In my view, there's nothing magical about a Fed funds rate of 3.5 that will of itself give the Fed pause at year end. Endless recession warnings and predictions will keep pouring out of all media outlets. All of this could well lead to continued volatility in the days, weeks, or even months ahead. Stay strong. You all know my advice. If not, call me and I'll share it. Also, see the article of the week in this week's uh, review. The week had gotten off to a rocky start on Monday as we learned that Macau will close down most of its businesses, including shuttering all its casinos, for at least one week following a COVID outbreak, while Shanghai will continue with massive testing in what is a signal that China's zero COVID policy is still very much in effect. Then there was mostly confusion and nervousness in relatively low volume stock markets ahead of Wednesday's CPI report and the early 
second quarter earnings announcements. Markets tumble late on Tuesday after a fake news report on the open sewer that is Twitter claiming to be an early leak of the CPI inflation data due the following day, showing a 10.2% annual rate of inflation. Got such traction that the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics was forced to come out and announce it was a forgery. But by then, the tweet had already triggered some program selling and had spooked a good number of traders. When reality hit on Wednesday morning, we saw that CPI had in fact surged 9.1% from last year, up from the 8.6% rate in May, and a lot more than the 8.7% increase analysts had expected. This was the highest annual inflation print since November 1981. The core rate that excludes food and energy rose 5.9% from a year ago, slowing fractionally from May's 6% increase. Analysts had expected a 5.7% increase. For the month of June only, overall inflation was up 1.3%, the highest monthly increase since Green Day strolled down the Boulevard of Broken Dreams in 2005. Energy inflation was up 7.5% for June and 41.5% year on year. Inflation without energy was up 0.7% in June 6.6% year-on-year. Inflation in used car and trucks was up 1.6% in June. Inflation in rents was up 0.8%, the highest since the Pet Shop Boys first sung about hanging out with West End girls in 1986. Owner's equivalent rent, which is a CPI euphemism for house prices, was up 0.7% in June alone. As a result, real inflation-adjusted wages got crushed in June. They are down 2.9% from April 2021 and down 3.6% from December 2020. The average worker is taking real pay cuts. Wholesale inflation numbers, that's raw material costs to manufacturers, as shown by the Producer Price Index, PPI, provided no relief when they were released last week. Those prices are up 11.3% year-on-year. J.P. Morgan Chase and Morgan Stanley fell hard on Thursday, taking most of the financial sector with them after both suffered big declines in their investment banking business. But market volatility boosts to their trading operations. J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon warned about a potential economic slowdown. Consider that on just Wednesday and Thursday alone, investors were hit with much hotter than expected inflation reports, both CPI and PPI, the openly discussed possibility of a full 1% rate hike later this month, highly underwhelming performance in earnings from market giants, JP Morgan and Morgan Stanley, and increased turmoil in Europe, political machinations in both Italy and the UK, as well as continued ugly developments in the conflict in Ukraine. Yet the S&P 500 finished the week higher than where it closed on Tuesday, although still down for the week as a whole. On the face of it, that resilient performance was impressive and certainly better than some of the relentless declines that we saw in April, May and June. It would seem that this degree of bad news has already been priced into the S&P 500, which remains in the previously identified range, pivoting either side of SPX value 3800. However, what is not priced in yet is the scenario of a serious economic slowdown 
in an environment of falling corporate earnings. And that is where the risk lies with the potential to drive prices down another 10, 20% or more. This could explain the lack of broad buying sentiment discussed in the under the hood portion of this report below. Having said that, stocks did stage an impressive rally on Friday, partly due to strong but not too strong retail sales report and the market processing the University of Michigan's preliminary estimate of its closely watched consumer sentiment index, see the financial term of the week this week, that ticked higher to 51.1 from last month's record low of 50.0. It is only the second time this year that the index has advanced and consumers' pessimism about future inflation levels also eased somewhat. The Fed likes to see things like that. 